I remember a time, I don't know if you know this, I, I have four kids, two of which are twins, because um, they come in twos, I guess, that's what they tell me. So, um, and uh, tw having twins is a whole other level of parenting. I'm sorry, I'm just going to play that card. It is, okay? Um, especially when you have three kids. And those that have twins know, I, I knew a gal that had seven kids, and two of them were twins, and, and, and it was the last two of her seven. And she said, man, I had five kids before this, and I thought it was, I thought parenting, I had it down until I had twins. Uh, and then I realized, and she came to me, and it was like that look of, how did you do it, you know, <laughs> kind of thing. And like, believe me, we didn't. We're still in the process. But um, love, love our, our twin girls. But I just remember that day, the anxiety and, and, and the ex exhaustion and the anticipation and the pain. And, and that was just me. Um, you know, that was, that was just my experience. But as my wife, you know, was, was laying there and, and I was on the other side of the curtain because I didn't want to be on that side for, for good reason. Um, and, and I just remember, uh, like, all that happening. And, and it was crazy. They were a month early, but with twins that was okay because there was 14 pounds of baby total in there and it, they just wanted to come out. And, and I just was thinking about that the other day. And I, I thought, wouldn't it have been crazy if, if one of them, you know, came out and it was like great and they, as, as, they, as they entered the world. And, but the other one was like, no, just holding back, you know, in there. Just like, no, no, I'm going to stick around in here for another month or two, right? Yeah, just think about that. Oh, well, you know, we need to pay deference to the to the child. If they want to stay in, we just let them. So let's so give them another couple months. Maybe they'll come out a week at a time. Maybe start with a foot. And a, no, it's all or nothing, right? The baby either comes or doesn't. See, the reason I bring this up is because we have a tendency to take many things and, and we just go a step at a time. We, we forget that discipleship and that what God calls us to. Love came down. That was our last series. He came down to show us that He's here with us. He's for us. To point us to a King that sends His one and only Son. That it withheld nothing from you and me. Withheld nothing from this world. So that we, in turn, could follow Him. What a blessing. Holding nothing back. See, when I think about the book of Leviticus, well, <laughs> I don't think about it much. At least I didn't <laughs> for a long time. Uh, and, and honestly, you, some of you, are, you're new here, and you're like, whoa, I didn't know they were going to go into the book of Leviticus. If you've ever gone through, it's, there, there's, there's three books. Before, it's two books before the third book, which is Leviticus. You have Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus. And Leviticus is more of like a junior high boy's dream book. Right? It's kill this, slaughter that, skin this, sprinkle blood all over that. I mean, it's crazy. It's like a horror flick. Um, and, and it's like, where are you going with this? But see, the crazy thing about Leviticus is we have these offerings. We're going to be looking at five different offerings which completely and wholly resemble a God that holds nothing back for you and me and makes a way so that we can follow Him and in turn, ourselves, holding nothing back. Um... So when we look at this, we really have to understand it in its context. So I'm going to lay this out a little bit and give you a little context. If, if, if you're new to Christianity, you're just checking this out, and you, you, don't, you don't even know who Jesus is. So let me just give you a little bit of, a, of, of an introduction here to Leviticus. So you have the book of Genesis, and the book of Genesis is not necessarily about how the world is created, and that's how many Christians get so screwed up, is we always want to look at that as a science book. It's more about the who of creation, truly. It's more about God. It's more about the king of the ancient of days who created us and created everything around us. 
And yet, when you see in Genesis, what you have is you have this, this it just goes south. You know what I'm saying? It's like one of those Hollywood stories where everything's perfect, and all of a sudden, bam, it just gets from bad to worse. One of the most popular TV shows uh, that just ended was Breaking Bad. And many people really tuned into that because it was such a, a biblical understanding. And yes, I'm, I'm, I'm referencing Breaking Bad to a biblical understanding. I'm doing that. And, and it was interesting because Vince Gilligan actually said this when he wrote it. He said he wanted to take an Old Testament punishment style to, to this. It's not good. When things go from bad to worse, you pay for it. And that's the story of Genesis. A, a, a favorite pastor of mine, Matt Hannon, made an analogy when he talks about the book of Genesis. He says it's like taking a really nice, shiny penny. Have you guys seen the new pennies they've got nowadays? Some great pennies. And, and um, I'm not a penny collector, but it's a great penny. So, you know, you take this in, and you're looking at it, and you drop it in the garbage disposal. And you're like, oops, and you turn on the garbage disposal. And what happens besides destroying your garbage disposal a little bit? That penny comes out, and does it, is it really a penny? Look, any, I mean, you know, you might look at it and go, wow, that was once a penny. You know, have you ever taken a penny and put it on the, the, uh, the, the railroad tracks? Guilty. Done that one. I used to put other things on the railroad tracks. They never caught me. But, um, you know, I mean, it, it, it just squishes it out. It changes it. It's completely, but it's still a penny. Right? But it's not the image any longer of what it was really intended to be. And that's the story of Genesis, really. God created us in His image, and yet we went, mm, nope, not, not, not going to listen to you. We're going to do it our way. And, and like the penny in the garbage disposal around the tracks, it gets flattened and destroyed. And we now live in this world that I don't think you, you really have to spend longer than a week in it to realize there's crazy stuff happening. <laughs> I mean, there's just crazy stuff happening. Turn on the news. Shoot, have a, have a wife and some kids, <laughs> you know? <laughs> And my wife and kids are going, yep, I live with you. There's crazy stuff happening. You're a turd. You're a turkey. You know, and, 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 and you know, that's just the truth. We, we, we live in a world that's just, that's been put through the garbage disposal of sin. And, and that's what we have today. And we're doing our best as, as a society, as a culture, as a species to, to just put the perfume on the pig, but it's still a pig. We make it smell good and everything in between, but, but honestly, it's, it's just not pretty. That's the story of Genesis. And next we have the book of Exodus, where all the way through the book of Genesis, you have a God that keeps intervening, that keeps bringing himself into history to say, I care. And in the book of Exodus, he comes very specifically to a very specific group of people. In fact, to a very specific person. And, 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 and he goes through and says, I care. I want to take my... my my child, Israel, and I want to bring them out. But through Israel, I will reach all my children of the world. They are to be salt to the earth and light to the world. They're not just saved because I'm like, hey, I'm going to pick one group and only deal with that one group. No, the whole point for that one group was to share to every group. Every group. And so God did these miraculous things where he miraculously saved every step of the way. And, and when you go through Exodus, you're like, what's wrong with these people? Man, they're flattened, nasty-looking pennies. <laughs> and they just keep... I mean, God provides for them and protects them and shelters them. And I mean, He goes through this whole thing, and yet they're continually going, Ah, oh, yeah, I don't want to fight. I don't want to... You know, but, but the truth is, when I go through Exodus, I'm like, hey, that's kind of me. <laughs> God does this, but I still wander. I still walk away. I still screw it up. And then that leads us to Leviticus. 
where God reveals his plan, his purpose for his people, that they might be holy. Now that's a word that I think many times gets misused, or we, we really don't understand. How many of you woke up today, you know, you did your brushing of the teeth, and you did your little hair, and you looked and you're like, ooh, wow, looking holy today. You know what I mean? You're looking in the mirror, and you, hey babe, do I look holy to you today? That's good, yeah. Does this dress make me look holy, right? No. We, we don't really understand this concept of holy. But in, in its simplest sense, we have to understand that holy is just being set apart for God's use. Taking the penny that was destroyed and, dis, and, and, and just garbled up in the garbage disposal and renewing it to a place where it's, oh, that's what it is. And then putting it up so that to, for display, to be like, that's what it's supposed to look like. That's what it's supposed to do as a, as a beacon, as a light, as a, oh, and every other thing will get patterned after that. I want to give you a take-home truth for today. I'm going to repeat this in many, many different ways, and it's intentional. But this take-home truth is simple. God has a proposal and payment so that we might live his purpose or our purpose of giving him are all and holding nothing back. So let's stand for the reading of God's word and let's go ahead and, and pray. We're going to jump into this book. And I'm excited because this is good stuff. By the way, I just want to appreciate, if you can do me, do me a favor, appreciate Pastor Mark because he did some pastoral duties last week and I appreciate him for taking over me. Now the problem with doing good is I told him, I said, now I'm going to use you a lot more. See, that's the problem. You, sh- you should have really blown it if you didn't want to do this. Because then I would have been like, hey, great job, but I'll never talk to you again. No, <laughs> he did such a great job. I'm like, I can't wait to continue to give him that, that responsibility, just preaching in, in, in his way, his voice that God has given him to do that. So I really appreciate Mark for doing that. Um, let's pray. Lord, we thank you. We thank you for the fact that you came to us And that history is replete. It is full. And it is filled with you holding nothing back. Meeting your people in every generation. The ancient of days today. The God of Abraham, one generation. Isaac and Jacob. You come to us today as you did to them. Holy And then you call us holy. Lord, we want to know what your will is. Lord, I I pray for people here who are struggling with this, who are struggling with their own faith, who maybe have not even taken that step of what does it even mean to follow Jesus? Lord, whether we've been following you for years or not ever taken that first step, you are with us and you have a plan for us. And so we just want to meet you today where we're at, holding nothing back, as you withheld nothing from us. Amen. All right, as you continue standing, we're going to go ahead, and we've got a big passage here, so bear with me, all right? Bear with me. This is Leviticus chapter 1, and we're just going to read right through it. So the Lord called to Moses and spoke to him from the tent of meeting. He said, Speak to the Israelites and say to them, When anyone among you brings an offering to the Lord, bring as your offering either an animal from, from either the herd or the flock. If the offering is a burnt offering from the herd, you are to offer a male without defect. 
Now, you must present it at the entrance to the tent of meeting so that it will be acceptable to the Lord. You are to lay your hand on the head of the burnt offering and it will be accepted on your behalf to make atonement for you. You are then to slaughter the young bull before the Lord and then the Aaron's sons, the priest, shall bring the blood and splash it against the sides of the altar. Told you, some, some crazy stuff going on. There's some spra- splashing and sprinkling. Uh, the altar of the tent, entrance of the tent of meeting. Then you are to skin the burnt offering and cut it into pieces. The sons of Aaron and the priest are to put fire on the altar, arrange wood on the fire, and then Aaron's sons, the priest, shall so arrange the pieces, including the head and the fat on the wood that is burning on the altar. You are to wash the internal organs and the legs with water, and the priest is to burn it on the altar. It is a burnt offering, a food offering, an aroma pleasing to the Lord. Now, if the offering is a burnt offering from the flock, from either the sheep or the goats, you are to offer a male without defect. You are to slaughter it at the north side of the altar before the Lord, and Aaron's sons, the priest, shall splash its blood against the side of the altar. You are to cut it into pieces, and the priest shall, priest shall arrange them, including the head and the fat, on the wood that is burning on the altar. You are to wash the internal organs and the legs with water, and the priest is to bring all of them and burn them all on the altar. It's a burnt offering. Again, a food offering an aroma pleasing to the Lord. Now, if the offering shall, uh, that you bring to the Lord is a burnt offering of birds, you are to offer a dove or a turtle dove, a young pigeon. The priest shall bring it to the altar, wring off the head, and burn it on the altar. Its blood shall be drained on the side of the altar. He is to remove the crop and the feathers and f- throw them down east of the altar where the ashes are. He shall tear it open by the wings, not dividing it completely, and then the priest shall burn it on the wood that is burning on the altar. It is a burnt offering, a food offering. Again, an aroma pleasing to the Lord. Okay, you may be seated. And, and don't worry if you're confused. Because, believe me, if I didn't have a lot smarter people than me, helping me through this, through commentaries and ways, which, which is accessible to everyone. It's just my job to, to go through and look at this. It's, but it is simple stuff. And I think the biggest part that we have to understand, which makes this difficult, is you're trying to think like a 2,000 uh, or about 3,500-year-old is, is Israelite. And that's not easy. Many of you cannot do that. And if you did, were able to do that, I, I'd question your sanity. Okay? Because that's hard. You're trying to get out of your culture today with your iPods and your, you know, everything you've got and get into this ancient culture of the day. And so a big part of this is we do need to look at why this is happening, what this is all about. But the first thing I really want you to understand, again, it's the first part of that take-home truth, is it's God's proposal. God always comes to us first. If you're taking notes, um, this, is, this is the stuff that we, I, I, I just recommend you write this down so it sticks more in your brain. But God has a proposal. He starts with it. He comes first to us. You see, he, he doesn't start here and say, with all of it, and say, okay, okay, make your, way, make your way to me, do it first, then I'll move to you. No. God always starts with moving towards us. This is his proposal. He comes to us first. And and I think the first part of God's proposal that this shows us is that God is available to all. God is available to all. See, the Lord called to Moses. Who who called to Moses? The the Lord, right? He calls to Moses and spoke to him. See, Moses wasn't walking around and said, Lord, Lord, where are you? We need you right now. Where are you? No. He's, God calls to him. He calls to him. And spoke to him from the tent of meeting. And he said, speak to the Israelites and say to them, he is making himself available. And we're getting an understand, standard, uh, understanding here 
uh, of a picture. Uh, this is Now, what I would like to do is I'd like to show you the tabernacle, the tent of meeting, because, again, this is way back when, and we don't, we don't really get this. And so what we have is we have these, these, this tent that goes all the way around, tent walls, and these were pretty high walls of about 10 feet, and, and this was a whole setup, and you have the outer court. Now, you have 100, and get this, you have 100,000 Israelites inside here. I mean, a lot of people. Okay, fitting in as tight as possible. You have the brazen altar where these, the offering, the burnt offering of what we're talking about today is taking place. And then you have the laver or the wash basin. And there's a reason for it, and there's a reason for it to be so big and why it was refilled continually with water, because this was very bloody and messy. And so they needed a place to wash up. But see, what you have here now is you have the holy place, or the holy... Uh, the holy place, and, 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 and they would go in there, and that's where the priests, they would do their, they would light the incense and different things. Now, not everybody could go in here. And then behind that, you have the holy of holies, or the most holy place. We just call it the holy of holies because it's the most holy place. And only one person could go in there one time of year, and that was the high priest. And the high priest would go in there one time of year on Yom Kippur, or the Day of Atonement. So what would happen is this priest would go in and this, in the Holy of Holies, or the most holy place, is where the presence of the Lord was. See, in Exodus we see the presence of the Lord driving his people in the form of a pillar, a cloud, that, that directed them and guided them. And when, Mo, and when uh, Moses, and they were running from the, uh, the Egyptian army, that cloud would go behind them and confuse and befuddle the, the Egyptians and protect the Israelites. And then when the sun was too hot in the day, and we see this in the book of Psalms, that the, the, the cloud would go over and it would cover them so that they wouldn't be destroyed by that Middle Eastern desert sun. And this cloud took over Mount Zion in giving the law as God met his people. And that cloud, that presence, that Shekinah glory filled the Holy of Holies. Filled the Holy of Holies. Now the interesting thing, and I want you to see this really quick, is the most holy place is divided between the holy place with a 60 foot tall curtain, 30 feet wide, and 4 inches thick. Now that's a curtain. Anybody have blackout windows? This is like the blackout window. You know what I'm saying? This is a blackout curtain like nobody, nobody's business. I mean, 4 inches thick. And that was there for a reason. In fact, there was a sign that said, you go in there, you're dead. <laughs> you will die. If God doesn't kill you, we will. Because this is the most holy place. And you don't, you don't go in there. Only one person can go in there. And by the way, that one person was the high priest. And they would tie a rope around his ankle and he'd have bells on. Because if they ever got to a point where the high priest was in there on the Day of Atonement, and those bells stopped jingling for longer than a couple of minutes, they'd go, uh-oh, maybe the high priest wasn't pure enough and he died. That was the whole point of the rope. Because then, cause what if the high priest died inside there? They can't go in there. The only person that can go in there is a new high priest. And that would be by next year. And imagine the smell. Yeah. So they would pull the high priest out. Dead. If you remember your Old Testament, when Jesus makes his sacrifice, the offering for all, holding nothing back, what's torn in two? That veil. This is why, by the way, it's such a huge, ridiculous thing to be done. Because, I mean, I don't care if you're the power team, Steve Austin, whoever, try to rip a four-inch thick veil. You, you can't do it. And God rips it 60 foot from the top to the bottom into. Why? Because God's presence is available to all through the power of Jesus Christ. 
and the sacrifice that He made. Amen? So God is available. God wants to be available to all. The God of the universe says, I will meet you in the tent of meaning because I'm available to all and through my Son, Jesus Christ, I'm truly available to all. This was the whole point. The picture is representing the person. Now, second, is God wants us to come alongside Him. If He's available, He wants us to come alongside Him. See, when anyone among you brings an offering to the Lord, bring as your offering any animal or an animal from either the herd or the flock. See, the word offering is korban. It's a really interesting word. Korban in its essence in the Hebrew just means to draw near, to come near. Okay, so it's the concept of, you know, this person is here, and what you do is you come near to that person. You don't just, from back, way back here, say, okay, I'm here. And see, this is, this is the concept of the Jews when they got to Mount Zion. God wanted all of the people to come near to him, but they were afraid. He said, draw near. And they said, no, we can't. We're scared. We'll send Moses. And so Moses was really that representative, but he wanted all people to draw near to him. And, and this is amazing. Because God not only makes himself available to all people, but, but he says for all people to come alongside him. You see, it's one thing to be available. It's another thing to come alongside and walk with. Amen? I mean, my, my cell phone company says they're available. Uh-huh. <laughs> right? How many of you have been there? Oh, we're available. Just dot eight, six, four, three. I don't speak Korean. You know, I mean, you're going through. I thought you were available. And it's another thing to send somebody down there and work with me through the whole process. And help me to really get it. That's the idea of what God is saying here. Alongside. Partnering with. And we have this as the veil was torn through Jesus Christ who comes alongside. Amen? He's not content with saying, hey, I'm available, way up here, do this, do that. No, he says, I'm coming alongside through my son, Jesus Christ, who I did not withhold from you. He sent his one and only son, holding nothing back. See, and the Jews weren't stupid. They were hoping for this. <laughs> they, they, they called this the Meshach, okay? The Meshach, which, which is the Messiah. And we get the word Christos in Greek, meaning Christ. They were hoping for the Savior. They were hoping for the, 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 the one to come down to eventually, finally save them. And so they knew that these pictures of offerings and what they had to do, it was just a picture of the coming person of the Messiah. Now, third, God makes a way for anyone. If he's available and coming alongside, he truly is there for anyone. I, I want you to look at this. In verses 3, 10, and 14, we have some interesting things going on. Because this is the first offering. And what we're looking at is the, the burnt offering, which is actually a voluntary offering. You didn't have to do this one. This is one that was, that was voluntary. And so, uh, but it was the most common offering. It was the most common offering. And, and what we see here is we see in verse 3, if the offering is a burnt offering from the herd... Okay, now, the herd, not very many people had herds then. You have to think of an agrarian society. Almost everybody in this culture had animals. But not everybody had the animals that were the ones you really wanted, like cows, bulls, those things. Those were expensive. I mean, we're talking a 2,000-pound animal, right? This was kind of for the top 5% of people, the rich. The herd, if you had a herd, you were rich. You had the Mercedes of traveling. You had a donkey, right? I mean, you were rich. 
Now, he says you are to offer a male without defect, right? Now, the same thing goes with, and we're going to cover that, but verse 10 he says if the offering is a burnt offering from the flock. Now, the flock, most people had this. The flock was sheep or goats. And this was the middle class. Really, when you look at Israel and the demographics of what they had, you had the high, really expensive herd, and then you had, well, pretty much everybody, you know, 70-something percent of people had some sheep and goats. That's just what they did. And they lived very much off of the goat milk and the goat cheese and all that different stuff, and they would eat goat. And still to this day, much more goat is consumed than cow in the world today. And so that's what we see. Now, if the offering of the, of the Lord, to, to the Lord is a burnt offering of birds, pigeon, turtle dove, these are the poor. They don't have a goat. If you remember the story that Samuel tells, or Nathan uh, tells David about, the, uh, you know, when he's confronting his sin and he's about the man that has the one sheep, the one sheep, and he steals it from, and he gets his sheep stolen from the guy that has many sheep. That, that, that was such outrageous because to have one sheep, if you only had one, you were really poor. But think of the people that had just a bird. That's it, I got a bird. <laughs> you, you, you ever tried to make a meal out of quail? You need about 14 of them. And you're okay then, right? <laughs> but the rest of the family, yeah, it's not much of a meal. By the way, if we fast forward to the New Testament, Mary and Joseph make a burnt offering when Jesus is born because they're so ecstatic and blessed that they have this son and they offer what? A bird. They offer a bird. That's all they had. They offer a bird. Because God, in His mercy, says anyone... Do you get that? Anyone. You got, a, you got a cow? You're rich? Bring it. You, you don't got much, but you got, you got a, a sheep? Bring it. You don't have barely anything? Catch a bird. This is the truth of what God has done in His proposal to come near to all of us as we draw near to Him. Now, the payment. The payment. This is the interesting part. You were were to offer a male without defect. Now this is because God loves men more than women, okay? Now that's a simple... No, I'm just kidding. All of you women should be like, what the heck? (laughs) You wouldn't talk like that. You'd be like, "Mm, no, he didn't. Because at first when I look at you were to offer a male, what, is just God like like males more than females? I mean, what's going on here? Well, I didn't really realize this because I'm not a rancher. I'm not somebody who's dealt with herd animals and things like that, but when you look at the, the herd animal, the best that you have in your herd only is the best because you have an even better male that's studded with that herd. You see, you, you've, you've got the county fair pick of herd animals because of your best male. Because that's what you stud it with. Uh, some of you have animals, maybe, maybe you have a purebred dog, you don't just go to the, to the, nothing against it, I mean, I love, we got some great dogs from the pound, but you don't go to the pound and take your prized female and mix it with just anything from the pound. You, you try to find the best stud ever, why? Because that's going to make that breed much more valuable. And back then, that's where your wealth was. That's where everything was. And, and God does something very interesting here. He says, bring your best. The one you cherish, the one that wins all the ribbons, the one you can't live without, 
That whole year that's made you that much more money, that much more prestige, that much more secure, that much more safe. Bring it! Bring it. Uh, but God, that's, that's my best. Exactly. You see, if, if I were to put it in simple words here, with, where you, if you're taking notes, you bring your best. Not your blind, deaf, three-legged bull. See, God doesn't want us to be casual about our worship. He does not want us to be casual about our worship. God brings His best. God brings His best. That's what we see in Jesus Christ. He did not forsake His one and only Son from us. He gave us Jesus He gave us everything. And sometimes we forget, we need to remember that there's a huge cost to discipleship. You see, salvation is free. Jesus comes to the... That's what we looked at when love came down. He does all these things that we could never do and He says, come and follow Me. But as we follow Him, man, it's costly, isn't it? It's costly. But we get this, don't we? We just like to chitch it around. Think about this. If you want, close your eyes and envision this, but there is a dream home in your future, isn't there? There was for me. And I I, I think about my dream home, and man, I will pay anything to get that dream home. That dream car, right? I'm going to work so hard. I mean, when I was a kid, I I was a nerd. I don't know if you know this. I know, right? You, You were a nerd? Yeah, I was a nerd. Hard to believe, but when I was 15 and a half, I got this one job, and I worked a year and a half, not to buy my car when I was 16, but to buy my computer! It was a 486 DX2, 66 megahertz, right? Some of you are like, what? 66 megahertz, yeah, 250 megabyte hard drive, booyah, right? Some of you are like, where, take all my money, just take it. Where, where can I sign up and get one of those? No. That thing wouldn't even run Windows nowadays. There was no Windows on it, it was DOS. It was old school, man. But a year and a half, I sacrificed. I worked at my first legit job. I had many jobs before, but it wasn't as legit job. This was my legit job, cleaning blood off the wall at an animal hospital. Watching animals be put to sleep. It wasn't easy. Man, you talk about cost. After school, I had to go. On Saturdays, I had to go. I paid everything of my young life to get this computer. But we get this, don't we? that girl of our dreams, that guy of our dreams, we will pay anything for our kids, for that spouse. We will step up. We will do what it takes. We offer our vows and we say anything. And yet it comes to God and we go, hmm, well, I got this one sheep that's, well, you, you see? Or, 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 or whatever I have left, I'll give to God. That's not it. Why are you holding something back? Because what we see in this offering with, in the book of Leviticus is we don't hold anything back. We must be honest with who we really are and bring the best to the only one that matters. Amen? Because how many of you, like me, sacrificed? By the way, that computer, I couldn't even sell it in a couple of years. You know where it went? The garbage. I think one of the best field trips you can ever do with your kids is take them to the landfill. Take them to the landfill. You know what you're going to see there? All the things that people fought and died for. Because that's exactly what's going to happen in 50 years, 60 years, 70 years, 80 years. 
Landfill. Landfill. This is why Jesus said, store up treasures in heaven. Send it on ahead! Because moth and rust and thieves, I mean, everything, it's going to take it away. Send it on ahead where it will be preserved forever. This is why we work with the least and the last and the lost. This is what this church is about. Because we want to make the payments that matter in heaven. Now, last, the purpose. You were to lay your hand on the head of the burnt offering. Okay, so if you get this, lay, lay your hand on the bull, right? Which would be more about up here. It's kind of scary. That bull's just sitting there. You guys, I had a bull in my front yard once when I lived in the middle of the desert. That was ridiculously scary. I heard a sound outside and I went, what is that? And I opened the door and I'm not even kidding. The bull is about right there eating my lilacs. And I opened the door and I go, okay then. I shut the door and I locked it. That bull was over 2,000 pounds, big old horns. I'm like, you could kill me. There's no way in Heckfire I would ever run with you in Pamplona. Craziness. And this is what you put your hands on. Or the, the, the goat. I also had a scary goat. That was another story. See, that's what happens when you live in the desert. I'm sorry, but you get weird things. I had a goat that was 250, 300 pounds male goat that tried to gore me. I'm not even kidding. He was just, you know, oh, I got rid of him really quick. But, so you put your hand on him. Or you put your hand on the bird. And it will be accepted on your behalf to make atonement for you. This is the, the, the atonement is that word, um, or I'm sorry, lay, laying the hand on, on, the, um, on the head, that, that laying of hand, samach. That's the idea of samach here. And that's, that's not just, okay, I'm going to put my hand on you. No, that's leaning your full weight. Everything you are leaned on that. And the idea and the, I, the, of the worshiper who was coming forward was saying, I'm, this isn't just a representation, I'm just going like this. This is everything I am, good, bad, and ugly, is being transferred to this animal. Because I can try to be good, but it's not really good. And, and, and I know how bad I am, and sometimes I don't even know how bad I am. And, well, I'm ugly. So this is right here on the animal, and this animal will make atonement for me. See, the atonement is, is kafar. It, it's the idea of to cover. God knew our damage, that penny that was through the disposal. And we needed to be covered since Genesis on. We needed something to lean into. And this was the picture. Again, these Jews, they weren't stupid. They knew that this was a temporary fix to the permanent Messiah that was coming, the Messiah, the Christ. They knew this. They looked forward. We don't have to look forward. We can look right now and see the Messiah that came that we could lean into. Amen? Our sacrifice is nothing compared to His sacrifice. And He's already made it. Now, I want you to write this down. If this isn't in your notes, write this. A key verse of Leviticus is, is Leviticus 17.11. Because many of us, we don't understand. I mean, even today with, with, with PETA and everything else going on, I mean, we're not, we, you didn't come here ready to, to slaughter an animal, okay? For, for good reason. But why the animals? I mean, what's the deal with all this? We lean into this, but key verse of Leviticus is Leviticus 17.11. For the life of a creature is in the blood. If you don't believe me, take all yours out. Tell me how you do. You need blood. You need it. It's where the life is. And I have given it to you to make atonement 
kafar to cover for yourselves on the altar. It is the blood that makes atonement for one's life. This is why Jesus died. This is why God sent his only son to cover us. This is atonement. It's a big theological word for a very simple thing. When you follow Jesus and you say, I believe in you, in your sacrifice, in what you did, I take your blood and and I know it's on me. And so when God looks down and he sees me, he doesn't see me. He sees Christ and his sacrifice and his blood, the perfect, awesome, holy blood that transforms me and makes me more of a conqueror, a new creation. In Christ, in His blood. That's the atonement. Blood is simple. This is the idea of the burnt offering. God desires that we follow Him so close that we are holding nothing back. See, if it cost God sending His one and only Son to shed His blood for you and me to go through what He did, then it is our only response, true response as His disciples, to hold nothing back. Amen? See, you are, you are to slaughter the young bull before the Lord, then Aaron's sons, the priest, shall bring the blood and splash it against the sides of the altar to the tent of meeting, right? Let me ask you a question. Who's doing the slaughtering? You are to slaughter the young bull. Oh, oh, oh what, wait, what? So I've got to bring my best, and I have to do it? Oh, no, I'm going to sit behind the counter and let the butcher do that. <laughs> You mean I have to know how the sausage is made? Yeah. This is gory. The worshiper does the killing. There is never an exception to this. God does not want us to hold anything back. You are to skin the burnt offering and cut it into pieces. That's 2,000 pounds of bull, people. You don't want to be rich on that day. (laughs) I'll take the bird. Skin it? You ever skinned a bull? You know how many hours that takes? Cut it into pieces? Do you think that worshiper needs to use the laver, the wash basin afterwards? Do you think he's still got blood? Do you think she's still got blood on her afterwards when she comes home? You betcha. She doesn't walk through that door. He doesn't walk through that door and be like, how to go? With the, how, how, how to go? What, what happened? They don't do that. They just look at you. And they see the blood and the gore all over you and they go, ah, oh, you're covered. You're covered. And you have that look in your eye like, oh Lord, I just gave you my all. I just slaughtered the best. Please, accept it. And we don't have to worry. When we come to the cross, we say, God gave us His best in His Son, Jesus Christ. God gave us His best. Come on, say amen! Jeez, isn't that amazing? God gave us His best. There's no more sacrifices that need to be made. We don't have to sit here and say, okay, God, I'm going to give you this if you just will do that. We've never done that before, huh? (laughs) Because God says, I've given you my all. I've given you my son. There's no more you can do. I held nothing back. What will you do? The problem is, I think about discipleship today and Christianity, and believe me, I've fallen into this trap many, many times. I come to worship and I sit there and I go, okay... So afterwards, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that. Where am I going? Wendy's, McDonald's, I don't know. Let's figure it out. You know, and, and, and it's the idea of just coming casually. And yet Jesus says, it's all or nothing. God says, hold nothing back. It's not how we want it. I, I have this picture, I think it's hilarious, and I don't mean to be cavalier, but I want to show you this, because 
This is the way most, and I would say me, have looked at Christianity. Here's a man carrying a cross. Very tough. He's got a Burger King shirt on. Right? What do they say in Burger King? Have it your way. So he died so you can have it your way. (laughs) It's ridiculous. I laughed so hard when I saw that. One, because I think it's funny. But two, because it's such a contradictory statement to the God that gives us everything. We don't come to him so we can have it our way. Can I say that again? We, we don't come to Him so, so that we get what we want. You see, when we come to Him, we hold nothing back. And we give Him our best. That's what the worshiper did. And He gives us something even better. Yet many of us, many of us want it our way. Again, if you're taking note, God, God wants all of us. You were to wash the internal organs and the legs with water and the priest is to burn all of it. Some of it? All of it. But can I just keep the, the filet part? That's the good part. That's Kobe beef. That's Kobe beef. But see, that, but, but, but God, I paid good money for that car. Oh no, all of it. But that's my child. That, all of it. But that's my, my house. I mean, I want to keep it clean. And if the youth group, all of it. Do you get what's going on here? All of it. We burn it all. We give it all. And it's an aroma pleasing to God. When His people draw near to Him according to His plan, it's pleasing to God. God wants our all, not just a part, not just a piece, but all. Holding nothing back with our bad stuff and our good stuff and our ugly stuff. He wants it all. But God, I'm such a... I want it all. Even the... Mm-hmm. Paul said for him is, is to live is Christ. To die is gain. That's holding nothing back. How will you respond? A key verse I I, I really want you to memorize this series is Romans chapter 12, verse 1 through 2. And it really just paraphrases our New Testament responsibility to the Old Testament sacrifice. And when I say responsibility, I don't mean there's something you can do to gain God's favor. God already died for you and was raised on the third day so that you might walk in glory because of what He's done, His blood, His sacrifice. All you got to do is put your hand on Him and lean into Him. That's atonement. Paul goes left and right, up and down, all over the Scriptures to show that this is the fact. The fact. But when we walk in discipleship, how do we walk? And it's always in holding nothing back. And this is what Paul says. And he's using Leviticus language in chapter 12 to get this point across. So here's what I want you to do. God helping you take your everyday, ordinary life, your sleeping, eating, going to work, walking around life. Does that pretty much sum it all up? Yeah. And place it before God as an offering. Oh, you mean, you mean I need to come to you with my life and everything? Yeah. You see, God's made a way. Now our response is to hold nothing back. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing you can do for Him. 
Don't become so well adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Instead, fix your attention on God. You'll be changed from the inside out. Readily recognize what He wants from you and quickly respond to it, unlike the culture around you, always dragging you down to its level of immaturity. God brings the best out of you and develops well-formed maturity in you. I want you to think about something here. Where have you held back? Maybe it's at school or work. People really don't know you're a Christian. They don't know that you're all or nothing with God because you've been holding back and you've been secure and comfortable. And the truth is, when it comes to school or it comes to work, you just get in and get out. Or maybe you, you just kind of do the job, but you're mediocre and you're kind of lazy. And the truth is, you don't like that job. Anybody been there? Me there. Yeah, me. Using improper English for emphasis. Me been there. Me been there. I've had over 50 jobs. Yes, I'm going to write a book one day. And many of those jobs, I would clock in and do the little amount I could do because I hated it. Was I offering my working life to Jesus Christ who gave everything to me? No. Maybe it's that hobby or thing that you know is consuming you way more and you bring and you pay and you do whatever it takes to do that and hang out here and be with that person there and it's all about the weekend. Amen? Because that's the altar we go to and sacrifice all for and pay all for because that's what we want and we hold nothing back with that. But is it really truly bringing what you need? All the while holding back from God and giving Him sloppy seconds. Maybe it's with your finances. Oh, I've been there. But God, I don't have anything. Bring the dove. That's all I got. There were many people on the day that Jesus was at the temple who were giving and they were blowing trumpets and they were doing their thing and man, it was crazy when these people would drop a sack of gold in there or a sack of silver and there's just, just this one little old widow and she had a penny and she dropped it in. Jesus took notice of her, not because of the amount, but because it was all she had. Trusting God with Everything. But I have anxiety. And the more I'm plagued with anxiety, the tighter I hold on to it. Holding back. Maybe it's with unforgiveness. You know that God is calling you to forgive, but the truth is, they hurt me. And when you think of it, you find your face going, I want to get them. The truth is, God died to set you free. And forgiveness is your right to let go. Don't hold back. God has a proposal and payment so that we might live out our purpose of giving Him our all and holding nothing back. We want our life to be a response to God's movement. To take your everyday, ordinary life, your sleeping, eating, going to work, and walking around life and place it before God as an offering. Now, maybe you're wondering why we haven't had offering yet. Some of you are the astute ones. Who are like, hey, didn't we normally do offering at this time? And We've purposely changed it. Because I believe sometimes we can just give our offering as if it's an obligatory, compulsory thing like going to school or going to work. Oh, it's just something I do. But the truth is, we want to... 
God talks about money more than anything else. And believe me, I'm not sitting here saying it's all about the money. It's not. But the truth is, if you're like me, what is in your pocketbook really does dictate how much you follow God sometimes. And I believe we have to step out. And this is the easiest way to step out. Is by saying, God, it's yours. Because we as a church have to do that. Our temptation is to take our money and pay the bills and do this and do that and do that and make our place look good and everything in between. But our struggle is, no, we want to take that money and we want to give it out to God, our best, and give it to the least, the last, and the lost. We want to be a conduit of His grace. We don't want to just be a picture. We want to see and walk with the person of Jesus Christ. And that happens when we hold nothing back. And so I want to do something right now. We're going to close our eyes. We're going to bow our heads. We're going to invite the, the worship team up. But we're going to take an offering right now. And I, this isn't about the money. Let me just say that. Please, if, you don't, if you're new here, you don't have to give it anything. If you don't, don't worry about it. Honestly, God's not hurting for your dough, okay? God doesn't have, you know, come to us a picture of empty pockets going, please give to me. No, God has all the cattle on a thousand hills. But I want you to do this. As you're sitting here, really thinking about your week, your life, your relationships, everything that you have, because if you're like me, you're holding something back. What are you holding back? What are you holding back? Offering is just an opportunity to give from what kind of sometimes hurts the most, our pocketbook. But there's other things that you're holding back. And our goal is that you walk away from this worship service not going, hmm, that was nice. No, that you struggle and you strain with discipleship as Jesus struggled and strained on that cross for you holding nothing back. And you say, God, I'm not doing this because I'm earning it. I'm doing this because I just want to follow you. I want to go where you go. I want to do what you've called me to do. And if maybe there's a car here or this, that, there, or my relationship, I've really taken it and I'm not, I shouldn't be dating that person. Or I want to get married and I can't get married because there's nobody around. What are you holding back? Do you get it? Everybody has an opportunity to give, whether it's a bull or a dove. Come to God's altar that He's already put out there for you. Come and taste and see that He's good. And buy gold with money you don't have. And food with coins you did not earn. As it says in the book of Isaiah. Lord, we just thank You. As the ushers come on forward, Lord, we just... This is our first and initial response. We don't give out of compulsory. We give because we're generous. Because You... Being generous in love, do not withhold your son for us. But we thank you for the fact that we can give our lives, we can give our children, we can give our spouses, we can let go of all those things that we hold to so tightly and become nervous and anxious and moth and rust and thieves destroy. We can place it in your hands, pay it forward, and know that you are God in heaven. And you have a purpose and a plan for us when we're holding nothing back. That's what this world needs to see, God. We love you. May we give to you what you've given to us. 
I want to end this with a quote by C.S. Lewis. He says, We are half-hearted creatures fooling about with drink and sex and ambition when infinite joy is offered us like an ignorant child who wants to go on making mud pies in a slum because we, he cannot imagine what is meant by the offer of a holiday at sea. We are far too easily pleased. Amen.